Hey, everybody, welcome to Thursday. That means we have one more day and we're done with this week. Sunday, we start again, of course, with this week in climate. But today, we have Lon Harris back on the show. It's an all Lon show. There's so much to talk about. And we're going to go deep into the FTX Michael Lewis book rumors. Yes, Michael Lewis, of course, of Big Short and Moneyball fame, has evidently been following SBF around for six months. And a leaked email reveals that CAA, the big agency, is already shopping the film rights before Michael Lewis has officially even written a word. And you can see why, because every time you even glance at the Twitter, there's some new insane development in the story. And it appears that the major streaming platforms are going to sign this. But not only this, they're looking at MLS streaming. Apple Plus is... um, you know, working on that deal, the NFL Sunday tickets coming up. So we're going to talk a little bit about what these sports deals are going to look like. And of course, I'm going to give flowers to Andor, what I think is the best. I think, Molly, this is like the best addition to George Lucas's vision to Star Wars. I am just so enamored with this show. Yeah, same. Love it. It's absolutely wonderful. And it's going to be a great show. So stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by... Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Odoo is now offering all of their award-winning applications, services, and maintenance for under $25. To learn more, go to odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O slash twist. Dell for Startups provides key solutions for all your startup needs. A dedicated tech advisor will get to know your business goals and deliver customized solutions for rapid tech enablement with top business class PCs and accessories. Apply for Dell for Startups and check out Dell's Black Friday sneak peek sale at dell.com slash twist. And Linode. Apply to Linode's Rise program for founder-led early stage startups and get a $500 credit, up to $120,000 in infrastructure credits in year one, cloud consulting, and so much more. Apply at linode.com slash twist. It's Thursday, so that means this week in streaming with us again, Lon Harris. You can follow him on Twitter, L-O-N-S. He loves if you tweet at him and say, I love pistachio gelato. Mm. I also love... Uh, Bikram yoga, hot yoga, and I'm a fan of the, you know, of Taylor Swift. You give him yeah. three pieces of pop culture information, Taylor Swift, pistachio, uh, gelato, to watch. and he will the... tell you something to watch. So based it's... on that Taylor Swift and yeah. pistachio ice cream, what do you wow. recommend? Pistachio right. gelato. I mean, Taylor Swift, she's in a few things. Uh, you could watch Where the Crawdads Sing this week. That's uh, That's got an original Taylor Swift song in it. So uh, oh, very number good. one movie on Netflix right now. So there you oh, go. Okay, there you go. See what I did? But See? now you would have been at the pistachio Boom. gelato. So you, you have to cross-reference I mean, listen, in your the, database. Delicious pistachio. You know what I also just watched is uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, that George Miller movie that's now yes, on how VOD. Was that? Delightful, wonderful, Tilda Swinton, Idris Elba. But pistachios come up as a plot point in the film, so a perfect com- counterpoint see, for some pistachio gelato ice cream. I, I rest my case, folks. <laughs> to, wa- to see these neural connections be made in real time is seriously a wonder. It's because like, you know, he's, he's a gin. He's like he's a like genie. So one of the things he can do is just create whatever delicacy or whatever he Mm. can just poof you know make it for you 
3,000 years of longing. Well, listen, it's on you, just been, for rent this week. You can rent it on VOD sites. So like Amazon, I think it's like five or six bucks. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was delightful. So the world is colliding, Molly. I know. We've been talking about FTX for two weeks. <laughs> I can't the drama this. never stops. I, oh I literally, there's nothing on HBO Max at the moment. There's nothing on Hulu that is as compelling as watching Sam Bankman freed meltdown in public. I mean, somebody's writing constantly show right, right now. If they, I, I guarantee you, there are people in Hollywood already thinking about who's going to play this guy next year. Like, like a for sentence sure. that was. I mean, I want to step away from that. I really, really do. Like, I want to put down the Twitter, and I cannot. And incredibly, today mm. we have the ability to talk about both things at once, which Here is not go. only who's going to play him, but like what how are they going to ha- handle the the polycule nudes an actual mm. sentence that was sent to me in text yeah. yesterday have you seen the polycule nudes on telegram i was like I that's not know. a sentence that should I'm be this. this that is, is just why it's going to make such a compelling block. series showtime's going to going to eat this hell? up are you kidding and oh, apparently showtime, this yeah. whole time michael lewis of moneyball the big short and yeah. liars poker fame has evidently been following him around yeah for six months uh, to have sam bankman freed yeah for six months to be the subject of his new book meaning that the film rates have already been options it's right? already yeah it's a done we already have the source material done. being composed by moneyball big short author michael did you see that tweet i don't remember I mean, who said it but there was like me being followed around by the author of big short for six months is this good like <laughs> <laughs> red flag red flag yeah, yeah, probably like, not good probably not good i mean this is going to be like you know adam newman famously uh smoked weed sure on a g650 he's on a private plane smoke weed mm-hmm. they ground the plane he gets in a lot of trouble mm-hmm. um now we know what would happen if adam newman preferred speed or cocaine <laughs> like yeah. this kid is adam newman but with speed yeah no controls and a nerd he's, and a nerd he's like he's, he's like nerd. a nerd on speed speed is like a horrible drug Ad- and listen i don't want to make any judgments of people who are have prescriptions for adderall etc but th- this seems to be a cult that involved a lot of unique personal attributes one of which was i don't know if you know this lawn they indoctrinated everybody there on speed and these yes, are like I've, ivy league I've, kids I've reading about this yes so we we are now like dealing with no financial controls, no governance, and a drug known as speed. Now, you probably remember Edie Sedgwick and the uh, Warhol factory. Sure. I... Uh, Lon Harris, of course. <laughs> yeah. they, w- they got into speed as well, and things got dark. Speed is like, this is amphetamines and stuff this is really it's, dark man it's it a really is, pernicious it, drug. i don't know why you're so hung up on the drugs though as compared to the complete amorality that seems to have been uh <laughs> at effect here right like i mean yeah. we had it all just in the last couple days it was like the the dms with the vox reporter where it's just like oh yeah no multiple i just like reporters. made stuff he's, up multiple report he's talking yeah. to them constantly he like he's built like in a back door out to them yeah he's like trying <laughs> to <laughs> confess Constantly, it's a very strange situation. I, I just, you know, I, it, it's, I, I hadn't seen video of any of these people until the, seriously the last few days. I had just been reading names, and in the last few days, I've started to see some of these clips coming out where they're, where like the the Alameda team doing interviews and talking, and it's like it is. It is hard for me to wrap my mind around people giving these folks their life savings. This group of like I this group of 20 somethings who seem very out of their element, who don't seem like seasoned 
business people, the kind that you would turn over all of your money to. So like, it is fascinating that they were able to get to this level where they were even able to access this amount of capital. Like With that's what's so no none, no right. actual financials. Like it seemed to be that they would meet with VCs and show them like a post-it note and had no, cause the new guy that came in, the guy who did the restructuring for Enron, there was a piece today right. where he's like, he's, yes. in the bankruptcy, he's like, yeah, I've actually never seen anything like this. It's worse than you could possibly imagine. It's a complete disaster. There are no effectively zero financials. Right. No and oddity. so many of these other stories are always about the the young founder, the idealistic or the future scam artist or whatever. They had to link up with someone powerful or someone established who brought them along. Like right. that's the Elizabeth Holmes story, and that's the Travis Kalanick story, and that's like, but but somehow Sam Bankman Free just just got there on his own with his, you know, all the well, people he used to date from MIT or whatever, yeah. and people just gave him tons of money. I can't wait to see. Here's billions mm -hmm. of dollars to invest. There are mm -hmm. two points here. Number one, his pedigree, his parents' pedigree, were yeah. a big part of this. We're talking about Stanford professors uh and you know he obviously and his team are like mit harvard like and all they're connected this. to financial yeah. industry wise as well correct uh, and he had yeah. been like a, a world-class trader at some very famous firm i believe so mm -hmm. there was this like pedigree building up and mm -hmm. this is one of the things in silicon valley when i came into it worked against me uh in the early days of silicon valley when i came out here all the signaling was did you go to stanford did you go to mit yada yada and, and there was like less uh focus on people who didn't uh, in fact, that's why Santo Road uh, is in proximity to the Stanford campus. For those of sure. you who don't know, there's a place yeah. called Santo Road. All the VCs are camped out there. Uh, very bucolic, beautiful place. And across the street is the Stanford campus. Like literally entrepreneurs go from one. They, you could walk from one to the other or take a short bike ride. The reason it's like a I, tool, if you will, it's like, a, yeah, uh, <laughs> the reason I am so obsessed with the speed factor of this is having had uh, some friends close to me who, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, were on this, or just multiple friends, even when I was in New York, who, who were on uh, amphetamines, like prescription ones. And like I've said on the show before, like nine out of 10 told me like, oh my God, this was a mistake for me. I think they're oversubscribed, but running a firm on speed, this is not an individual making a choice. Th this is indoctrinating people into the use of this to enhance performance, I think. Explain some of the edge behaviors, Molly. So whatever bad decisions and immoral stuff they were doing, I think it like 10x is it or creates like a blindness or like to it. So I think it's both of those thing things. But here people is the, the quote. People in the chat are also bringing up the connection with Adderall that, that because Adderall is like a prescription amphetamine, yes. dextroamphetamine. And so... Uh, you know, in, in the same way that we can kind of think of like this this weird jump that people can make from prescription opioids to things like fentanyl or heroin yes. or the far more dangerous version. We mm -hmm. have seen a pathway for people who get hooked on prescription drugs like Adderall, then making the jump to becoming, you know, what we would think of in a previous generation as like speed freaks or amphetamine right. addicts. Yes. Um, when well, we so had this it, video, did you want to? Yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah. So this video is no, no, crazy. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, when you see somebody shaking like that, it's, you can't, it's not unless you're looking sign. for it, you won't see it. Now, he has done countless media appearances, so I don't believe that he's shaking because he's nervous. That, to me, looks like somebody who has hopped up on a drug and can't control the, the shaking. And, and, you know, like, listen, I don't want to make this, like, super personal and talking about, like, stuff, but th this is the storyline here. Like, they, they were publicly tweeting 
about this like speed addiction. So anyway, yeah, I think it's at I think it's I would argue it's a storyline. It's a big one. And it compounds what was already. However, from Hmm. the jump, it is clear that there were never financial controls that setting up these two businesses to be sisters with each other was always a a conflict of interest. Yeah, like there was no accounting. We (laughs) we talk about accounting Mm -hmm. in our investment meetings as a firm. Basically, every week. What yeah. is the accounting? Does the startup have the, we teach it and we talk about it in Founder University. We talk about it in the accelerator. The, like, I don't think that you can separate the continued funding storyline from even that, right? So it's like, sure. Okay. At some point, somebody from A16 or even Sequoia met with this guy when he was shaking his chair. Yep. And he gave them like a post-it with a rough idea of what the financials were and still nobody stopped it. I don't think people even went into due diligence. I think people were looking at the amount of money they were putting in in relation to the overall value of the business, right? Because people say, shake your diligence to the, the scale of the investment. So what that means is if somebody's raising $10 million and you're an angel investor putting in 25K, right? You're not even 1% of it. You're kind of like, you, you rely on other people to do the paperwork, to do the diligence. And this might have been the height during the mania of people saying, I'll just rely on other people to do diligence. And that is a huge breakdown here. When seed funds are doing more diligence than billion dollar funds, something is wrong here. Now, there, there was outright fraud here. So we don't know yet, but I suspect that this really bright group of individuals, and clearly they're brilliant or in their own spaces, I think they actually doctored. This is my guess. I think diligence did occur, Molly. I think mm-hmm. they doctored it. Just like they created backdoors. I think this was like an outright, this is my signaling, outright premeditated fraud at the deepest level. Oh, yeah. Oh, in the same no way Bernie Madoff did it. Yeah. I don't think this is the, I, th- I do think the funds <laughs> are, who invested and the investors are at fault, but I think they were actually duped in a very sophisticated way. I think that's what will come out. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to how sophisticated, but yeah, it, it definitely seems like this was a always designed, premeditated, like that FTX almost existed in some ways to fund Alameda investments. And it was just a, I, I don't, I don't a... believe that this was like, ooh, we didn't realize we were mixing. Like, come on, you, you're smart people. Looking for a better way to manage your company without tons of expensive, disconnected software? Then you need Odoo. Odoo is an affordable, all-in-one management software with a massive suite of fully integrated applications designed to handle any unique business need. Sounds great, right? Well, it gets even better. Odoo is now offering all of their award-winning applications, services, and maintenance for under $25. That's right. For less than $25, you get 100% of Odoo for 90% less than the average market price. And Odoo is so much more than a world-famous ERP, that's Enterprise Resource Planner. Odoo has over 80 applications for everything your company will ever need. We're talking CRM, marketing, accounting, manufacturing, inventory, you name it, Odoo's got it. So as your business grows and your needs change, Odoo will be there every step of the way with dozens of user-friendly solutions to choose from, and you get it all for under $25. To learn more, go to odoo.com slash twist. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash twist. Get more done in less time for a fraction of the price with Odoo. Let's read the. Okay, I want to read this quote from Please. John J. Ray III, the new FTX CEO, because, again, this is the guy who came into Enron to clean it up, right? And then I want to Wait, talk about Wait, what's the guy's name again? Actual streaming. Yeah, also, awesomely, his name is John J. Ray III. 
Which sounds I mean, made when up John J. Hell. Ray the Third comes <laughs> yeah. in, man, stuff's getting cleaned up, <laughs> right? John J. Who's playing John J. Ray the Third, man? You know, he, I don't even think he's got a big old Texas. Like he's got a big old Texas cowboy hat and like a like a cigar. JJR the third is coming in, man. Hot. Matthew McConaughey. Okay, okay, okay. John J. Ray the third is here. Okay, okay. Here's what you overlooking at some of these here financials. And here's a look from a New York Times article that dropped today in a blistering court filing. I'm reading from the Times. Mr. Ray described an astonishing level of disarray and said he had never seen. Such a complete failure of corporate control. <laughs> he listed a series of, quote, unacceptable management practices, including the use of an unsecured group email to access sensitive data and said the financial information maintained by FTX was deeply untrustworthy from compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated and potentially compromised individuals. For sure. He wrote, come on. This situation is unprecedented. Hold on a second. (laughs) I just want to make a point here. Your Honor. (laughs) Your Honor. This is an unprecedented (laughs) malfeasance that I have never seen. And I would like to point out for the court and the sovereign state of Mississippi that I handled the dissolution. Of Enron. <laughs> I mean, I mean right? Enron, and he's calling this the unprecedented. Enron, yeah. And he's like, uh, That's whoa. the president. Enron's the president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's using the word unprecedented. Okay, I so mean, look, now let's talk be, about this becoming a movie. <laughs> you don't need to be a financial genius sorry, to just, know. It's hard to you, can't, you can't dip into <laughs> your investors' money for your own. Like, it's just, it's the most basic thing. You know, I, I, I trying to play it off like, well, I just didn't realize I had the accounts labeled wrong. It's like, come on, man. Everybody. Right, I love the, all the people who are like, you know, Michael Lewis was going to write some super smoochy thing about this. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> and then yeah. he accidentally ended up there at the end of it and was like, oh, oh, well, I'm going to win a Pulitzer. Now, <laughs> yeah, I'm going like, to. Exactly. Right. Now I'm going to get an Oscar. Now, add, get Adam McKay on the phone, you know. <laughs> so the question, OK, does this become a film? Does it become a series, Lon, how would you do this? You're in uh, charge I think again. This is this is a series for sure. This is a series. This is right? a six to eight parter just based on what we know now. If it keeps going, who knows? You could get seasons out of it. But I actually because we were talking before about the crypto queen. You remember that that yes, story yes, yes. we were talking yeah. about? That was nothing. Uh, I, I feel like there is an it this is really it's an it's an FX anthology series, is what it is. And every season is a different crypto scheme that blew up or crypto big visionary crypto project you do a mount gox season you do that crypto island gets a season uh the crypto queen gets a season and then this is a see I, this is a season of that show yeah to me we don't obvious. talk about mount gox line <laughs> that's why that's why i'm still working but i mean um, that, like, let's somebody make that show right now like that seriously gonna, but it would have been a great molly if we're talking five, ten years ago, in the you know the social network era, this would have yeah. been a movie. Barbarians at the Gate was kind of totally. like a weird thing that sure. happened that that became like a TV movie, a miniseries, four part. Yeah. We're in the golden era of streaming. People mm-hmm. are going to want to flesh this out. Heck so yeah. no movie. We lose the two hour amazing cinematic experience, but we gain. We gain. You know, dope I mean, sick. Like I, I love this yeah, film, dope you're, sick. You're that could have been a movie. You're, 
SBF actors are automatic Emmy Emmy possibles with something like this for sure. I would say my girl uh, Maisie Williams gets the part of the. Uh, oh, Alameda she'd be great. Yeah, yeah she'd that's be a great. good one. That's a good one. Give Maisie so here's Williams the, the here's yeah. the full text of the uh, leaked email in which CAA is already shopping the film rights to Hollywood. So here's the of email for the, oh, for the past six Thanks months to or CAA so. CAA for leaking but this, this like gives us the plot <laughs> too, like where they're going to go. For the past six months ago. Or so, Michael Lewis has been traveling with and interviewing Sam Bankman-Fried. His childhood, early success on Wall Street, embrace of effective altruism, and the creation of a crypto empire that catapulted him in record time into the ranks of the richest people in the world seemed more than sufficient for a signature Michael Lewis book. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> the events Amazing. of the past week have provided a dramatic surprise ending to the story. It also highlighted the rivalry between Bankman-Fried and Binance head Chengpeng Changpeng Zhao, Michael likens them to the Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader of crypto. Crypto. Michael hasn't written anything yet, but the story has become too big for us to wait. Let me know if I've piqued your interest. I mean, literally every streamer is on the phone with these guys today. Like, for sure. Like, this is happening right now. Everybody's trying to nail this one for 2024 or whatever, because it's a it's guaranteed. I mean, Changpeng Zhao, of course by the way, is CZ. Yeah, CZ is is the Vader in SBF's story. Like, oh, he's the shit. Skywalker and that his enemy yeah, is Vader. That's it's, a little, it's a little hand-handed, I but Anakin. I know that, you know, whatever, that's how Hollywood works. It's like the Darth Vader of blah, blah, blah. It's like but how I mean, we say it's me, the Uber also, of this and that. You find, like, the next up-and-coming, like, who's a huge Chinese Hong Kong star, and you you, you get that guy, and you make, him a, you make him a celebrity in America. Let's do casting. You squid game. You squid game somebody, you know? Do I we mean, think is Aaron Sorkin going to do this? Is this going to be Aaron Sorkin dialogue? I mean, Sorkin, like, mm. I feel like Sorkin would, would have his he interest. He hates the internet, though. Peaked by Hates this, it. right? I, I, I feel like personality-wise, yes, but I feel like it's a little, I, I, I don't know if it... I don't know if it's right in his in his zone. No, I feel but like speedy dialogue's kind of his wheel, wheelhouse, is it not? Like that, all those true. speeches from the newsroom. I really like the newsroom, but the the speeches and the way people spoke was as if they would like compose their dialogue and then went to a conference room and were like, "Hold on a second, okay, here's my reaction to today's uh, front page." <laughs> right. like, He's great at dialogue, but I I don't. I mean, he it's is a little so over historically the hostile to all things yeah. digital I also, that I feel I don't like know. everything he, Sorkin ultimately nah. becomes like Aaron Sorkin. Like he he takes over the project and it becomes yeah. more about him and his perspective than the people he's writing about. So I don't I don't know if I'd, he'd be my ultimate choice. I just want to say Larry you know David who would write it. the crap out of this actually is Joss Whedon. Yeah, oh even, though, even, though, even though we have again. complicated feelings about Joss Whedon, you would have Joss Whedon who did the dropout right. would nail this. Like she, she would nail this to the yes, law. I, I think actually, bring that's her back. True. Thank give her you. Another, give her another run. The yeah. Larry David, give me the dropout lady. Uh, yes. Super Bowl commercial. It, I give Larry David credit. He secured the bag. Wow. He's getting sued now. Yeah, <gasps> but, but here's the thing: when he does the commercial, they're gonna play the commercial, and he goes, "Nah, not for me." You know? That's true. In the like, commercial, it's Larry David yeah. saying, I don't think you should invest I don't in think this. So. <laughs> no way. The wheel's going to work. I'm not into this. Yeah. This crypto thing's a, no, not going to work. So he literally tells the truth in the commercial. Yeah. I think Larry him, David took the Tom, bag. Tom Bravo, Giselle and LD are all being uh, the, a class action lawsuit was filed against them for Larry that commercial. Larry David's going to counter sue Seriously? and win. Seriously? Yeah. 
How much money do we think that Tom Brady actually lost in it? Because there were reports ranging from, you know, their initial investment to like their whole fortune. And I was like, just almost smart enough to get paid in euros. I feel like they did not put their all their money in FDX. It's definitely not their whole fortune. I mean, they probably lost a chunk of money, but. Probably yeah. not that significant to Tom Brady. It just Brady has it all. It literally has it all. I mean, Jonah Hill, people are saying, the noties are saying uh, Jonah Kendall no Roy. Roman, oh, yeah. you know. No, I was saying Jeremy Strong. Uh, he's he's Jeremy too Strong. old to play Sam Bagman Freed, but like he, w- he would kill it. Like God, he, he would, would be the it. perfect guy for a part like that. Mm-hmm. I also feel like Ben Schwartz would have been great, but he's a little too old now. You know, Ben Schwartz, John Ralphio from Parks and Rec. Yeah, uh, that's honestly who Yeah, I, we did that one. We, we did yeah. that one, and I think that's perfect. He would have been but great, right, but he's, he's a little, little He's too old. He's just, he's in his 30s now, and, and you got to, you have to find some young, you know, it has to be like a guy who's like that young, you know? It's, it's mean, Timothy Chalamet is who it's going to be. No, like. it's enough with the Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say his. <laughs> it's gonna be. I don't want to have to spell that name. I don't want to have to say Timothy Chalamet for another six I months. Enough. Timothy He's Chalamet. over. Enough with him. Timothy. Okay, no? Literally enough. Chalamet. Too too much Timothy Chalamet. Nobody should be getting this I much attention. I thought he did a good Can job. Can you ever have too much Chalamet? Did he, Dude, do, I, I saw him in Call Me dude. by Your Name. That's the only thing I've seen him in. You didn't see Dune? I got like. 30 minutes into Ooh, Dune and my daughters oh, were like this is boring so, Dune oh I thought Dune I'm gonna go back amazing. to Dune that's on my that's on my to Dune. read the book have you read the book Dune you should read the book I read you know, I never all actually read the books during the pandemic, like all of the I Dune mean, series, which gets like pretty weird. <laughs> yeah, my like, God, around the fifth or sixth, yeah. If Chalamet puts on 100 pounds and he plays like, you know, uh, SBF, like as a little robust. I think he could do it. Maybe, do I, it. maybe I'll, tr- I'll change my position on Chalamet. I think he could get there, yeah. Yeah. I I'll, I will grant your position, though, based on his real life behaviors. Like every time I see him interviewed, I'm like, but then... He's a weird. He's a great actor. He's a very. He's a weird guy. But he is. Okay. Here's Larry David. Anyway. Here's Larry. Here's Larry David. FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's 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 iconic. Give it up for Larry David. They paid him a million bucks to to. Say that it's not going to work. The fourth guy, the uh, the other guy being sued is Steph Curry. So it's it's uh, Tom Brady, Giselle Bündchen, Larry David, and Steph Curry got got sued over Seriously? their FTX because they made That's ads not for FTX work. encouraging people to invest. Oh, give me a break, you losers! You thought you could get rich quick. You put your money there. I don't think you can actually go after celebrity endorsers for bad that is investment so advice. I'm sorry. You can, Matt Damon you can go for too. the only thing you can do is if they were tweeting about it as well and they had and they some knowledge label. of problems or they tweeting about it without putting the ad yeah. explicitly yeah, on it like right. we've seen with the kim kardashian fines and the floyd mayweather fines you can't do covert advertising when you're securing a bag so How i you bet you sue? there's going to be sorry, a little you're going to sue tom brady but not sequoia like again like that makes and i'm not advocating that anybody sue sequoia i'm just saying like if you no, look they, at that that makes no sense it makes no sense no i mean if sequoia was like getting to paid in tokens or Idris and Horowitz was getting paid in tokens to promote something. Yes, That's a lower that would be an if, FTC law. Saying. It has to be a law behind this stuff. Like the law, what law yeah. was broken? I think, yeah, it's right. A bad it's, investment it's, is not breaking the law. Exactly. Yeah, it, not it, doing good diligence. And promoting every law, so. a bad investment is not breaking the law. I think it's also if the... I think Unless you some, know it's sketchy, yes, but... 
That's right. where I think there's also because that's the component of if they're like an investor, if they're like behind the company in some way versus just being a celebrity endorser like that. It's easier to be like, well, they are part of this company. They knew what the company knew as opposed to like, I don't think Larry David well, was doing due what diligence we're pointing on out FTX. Here, the, the reason we're having a little disagreement here is because there was a confluence of influencers mixing their influencer business aka celebrity business with mm-hmm. their investment business right so when you put these right. two things together right. we have to untangle what were they what were they doing with their behavior because we have this new class of influencers investing in companies you know if kim kardashian's talking about her company skims well she's an entrepreneur just like any mm-hmm. other entrepreneur talking about but if she's talking about or a kardashian's talking about the fire festival and they got 100k to promote it but it, it's not their entrepreneurial thing. This is where the public is trying to parse. We don't even know what the Tom Brady Giselle situation is. Did they put a no, hundred right. million of their own money into it? Did they put 10 million of their own money into it? Were they paid 10 million? Like you're saying, Molly, like these are savvy people. They're probably not putting cash in. They're probably using their celebrity to get equity. I think so, but I have no right. idea. Which, well, that's yeah. the Fire Festival Ja Rule story too, is that he was listed as one of the, you know, founders, owners, key people behind Fire Festival. But right, it wasn't like he was spending his own money to set up Fire Festival. They went to him and they offered him a chunk of ownership to be like, I'm mm-hmm. Ja Rule, come see me at Fire Festival. So <laughs> it's a it's a weird- We never got a narrative version of that. We got two docs, but we never got a narrative yeah, version of Yeah, Seth Rogen was working on one, and then I think he had a comment like, it's overexposed. Now everybody's kind of done with Fire Festival. Well, and it takes so long to get the a The stakes were going. kind of meh. Like, it's not like you really felt that bad for the influencers who lost the right? It, as as stakes right. go, like, at least FTX, you're gonna, you are going to, I have just been very cavalier about it, but you are going to find people who- lost real money, who bought into this in some way and were, you know, and suffered financial harm. And, and it's billions of dollars. So the stakes are a little bit higher, I think, than like, oh, no, some influencers had to eat a cheese sandwich. All right, listen, everybody, big news right now, Dell has a sneak peek Black Friday sale going on with up to 50% off, they're gonna get you in there early. You can save big on Alienware gaming laptops, which by the way, you can use for business too. And you get kind of a double duty out of them. I have a, a sick, awesome gaming laptop that I love because it's so fast and powerful. They also have PC towers, if that's your jam, maybe you're a video editor. And that's not the only amazing deal from Dell. If you're a founder or you work at a startup, just apply to Dell for startups. Here's why you're gonna get access to a team of expert IT advisors, and they will help you customize your tech stack to make it world class. And Dell will also help you access capital for building out your tech stack, right? We could always use a little bit of uh, extra financing, right? To uh, extend that runway if you're running a startup and you'll get exclusive discounts for Dell's amazing hardware. And you know, we love Dell here at launch. In fact, we sent every new employee here a gorgeous 39 inch ultra sharp curve monitor. And that happens to be my favorite. I got one here and I got one right here. Like I said, I recently bought that really fast Alienware laptop. I plug it into that Dell 39 inch monitor. It is extraordinary how powerful this thing is. It is fantastic. Okay, apply for Dell for startups today and get up to 50% off on Dell's sneak peak Black Friday sale. Just head to dell.com slash twist. That's dell.com slash twist. One thing I think is really interesting that's going on. I know we're going to run out of time here because streaming takes over our lives and everybody's got an opinion about everything. (laughs) Uh, But I have been uh, very uh, enamored by Blumhouse pictures. Sure. This is, uh, there's a guy, Jason Blumhouse. Jason Blumhouse. Blumhouse is the company. He's he's Jason Jason Blum. Jason Blum. Blumhouse is the company. Right. Now, Cute. I know this Clever. Good name. because uh, once in a while, I watch a horror film on like, a, you know, I'm not, it's not exactly my 
thing, but there's been a ton of uh, movies that Blumhouse has done, and they seem to give people uh, very small budgets to do uh, right. what they call in the business a genre film. Yes. And genre is- films cost nothing to make, like Annabelle cost six and a half million, grossed 257. Uh, Get there Out, 4.5 million, quarter billion dollars in, uh, you know, gross. He made this Th- This is incredible that- to me. Paranormal Activity and Saw. These were the movies that kind of informed the Jason Blum formula, where it's like you spend no money. They're, I mean, think about Paranormal Activity. You literally just set up stationary cameras on a room and then saw one room, three actors. You keep it real simple. A few million dollar budget. You promote the hell out of them. You sell them hard to horror movie fans and they can make a hundred million dollars, set up a whole franchise or whatever. So that... That started him, and now, yeah, every year there's three or four of these low-budget, you know, easy-to-produce... Actually, produce. this even goes back further. There was the Blair Witch Project. I remember right. when I was we a journalist in the 90s. talking about before you came on, yeah. <clears throat> and that had a budget of 200000 Actually, they had told me back when I was covering it, it was like 90000 to make. Yeah, a couple hundred thousand in finishing. That did a quarter billion dollars, but that did that in 1999. So, yeah. mm-hmm. this kid in Blumhouse gives folks who want to break into... Uh, this genre films, the chance he gives them very small amounts of money. I like this. To me, this is like this guy's like some super savvy entrepreneur. This makes a and lot then of sense. Now, to me. what he started to do is, you know, it's like once it started to grow, now he's, you know, picking up some of these franchises. So Blumhouse does the new Halloween films that, you know, like oh. he th- he's got Michael Myers now, and like so it, it's it's grow and the Purge films are, are Blumhouse as well. So they've got franchises oh, and wow, like they're, 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 it's a it's been a very clever sort of thing to see him kind of grow it over the years. And uh, this is make these yeah. numbers are like bananas. Paranormal Activity cost two hundred and. $30,000 production only cost $15,000. Well, it was the post production and marketing that was the <laughs> other 215 and then yeah. it grossed 193 million uh, which Nick says may be the most profitable movie of all time on yeah. a net return basis. And, That's then, and then Get Out was another big like milestone moment for them as a production company because now it's not only you know, winning over genre fans, getting people into the audience, but it's Oscar cred and one of the buzziest movies of the year. And you can even turn one of these little movies into like a, you know, a sleeper hit that's in the top 10 movies of the year. So the big news here is this merger, right? That so you've got Blum, who describes himself as a business person, not a filmmaker. And then you have James Wan of Atomic Monster, who is mostly filmmaker, less business person. And they are talking about Joining forces. Right. And it's a natural, on? James Wan directed Saw. So it's a very natural collaboration. Right. Uh, and, and James Wan, you know, you're talking about the Conjuring franchise, the Insidious franchise, uh, you know, the Malignant last year. So he's got this relationship with Warner Brothers, but between the two of them, they're the big, they're the two biggest names in horror right now. So this is a juggernaut kind of deal you're creating when you bring these two together. I'm never going to the movies again. I'm such a chicken. This is not a good outcome for me. <laughs> to me, this is like entrepreneurship, just really chef's kiss. I uh, was talking to my friend who's a filmmaker. I've only backed like one film in my entire career. Uh, my good friend, Nick Jarecki, um, I, you know, I just made a small little bet just to support him. He's, you know, he supported me in some different endeavors. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to him about this. And I was like, you know, I have the syndicate.com. And, you know, like, there's a lot of rich people who would love to get involved in a film. And I looked at it and I was like, maybe I'll do like a little fun thing for myself where like we back some documentaries or whatever. But the more I 
I dug into it. The deals are so unfair for the investors. They basically cap the investors, Molly. Imagine if we had in our documents, you invest in the startup, you put in, you know, we're going to raise a million dollars, pass the hat style, 50 people putting in, you know, whatever amount each, 20K. You're capped, Molly, in the documents. You get two and a half times your money back, max. And then you don't really? have equity in going forward. So you're, they really like, just like, you're an idiot. You're just getting some, you know, <laughs> little token amount of equity. So I was like, well, that's mm. stupid. I was like, why don't we set this up so we make documentaries? And I was talking to one of the most famous Oscar-winning documentary people uh, who had reached out. And I, was, I won't say who it is, but they won a couple of multiple times they've won Oscars for documentaries. I will probably tip it off. But anyway, he said, uh, you know, I said, well, what if we, um, we own the documentaries and we just license it to the streamers or whatever, but then we had a company where like the people who made the documentary had equity in that little LLC, that little thing, and then we just exploit it for all time, but the parent company owns it and then we give people equity in the parent company, whatever. And he's like, yeah, that's not how people work in our industry. They just want to like get paid like to be... A director of photography they don't want equity and stuff and I was this like, is such an that's opportunity, the opportunity. Mm-hmm. thank you molly i was like that's totally. the opportunity because if something like paranormal activity as you know nick just did the math for us an 840x oh, yum yum like you, you just have to think about i mean documentarian specifically if i'm going into becoming a documentary filmmaker if i'm making that decision yeah, it's probably, not, it's probably not <laughs> about the money for me, or I would become Sam yeah. Bankman Freed instead. Because, but could it think- be? Does it have to be documentary? Couldn't because it, it could be any other. Like there are all these independent movies. Like you were just saying before the show started, Lon. Everything is comic book movies or horror right yeah. now. I mean, if you went there's to an opportunity making, in right horror Indies. specifically, a lot of people are making horror movies because they think it's a way to get make money and get into the industry. Documentary, I still think, is a little bit more like essentially any film, Molly. That you could produce for a million dollars or less. That's what I'm saying. And a different then, genre. You know, you had a parent company that had a couple of executives who were savvy, who could just maintain a hundred percent ownership of the asset while allowing it to be distributed by other folks for some window of time. So that over time, instead of you know, giving the rights to these things over to giant companies, you kind of would be it, slowly it building a bit your giant like- company. Ava DuVernay's mm-hmm. company, Array, works yeah. kind of like this, where oh, really? she she goes to like festivals, looks for indie films, brings them in, cuts in the makes a deal to cut in the filmmaker, and then she takes the films to usually Netflix. Oh. Most Array films go to Netflix, but Netflix doesn't own. She's not. It's not a Netflix original. It's an Array releasing film on Netflix. Um, but then she, she and the filmmakers still own the rights so if they want to make a sequel yeah. or take it out somewhere else or whatever. Yeah. When I talked to folks, Molly, they said, like oh, yeah, no, we own the rights to the film. We've just sold it to Netflix for, you know, whoever for 50 years. I'm like, well, right. we'll all be dead by then. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, yeah, I'm talking about keeping it to. Avatar, she's got a theater mm-hmm. where the where the Bob Barker marionette theater used to be, uh, where she'll actually like screen these films. Like she'll acquire them. She has a screening room and they'll host like mm-hmm. events and stuff because she owns the film still. So it is it is a workable model. You know, I don't know if it's a way to make billions of dollars, but it is a workable model. Linode's startup program is called Rise, R-I-S-E, and it offers more than just free credits. Let me tell you about Rise. The benefits are nothing short of amazing. You get up to $10,000 per month in year one credits. That is extraordinary, of course. I mean, wow, that's a big number. But followed by 50% and 25% discounts in the next two years. They're making a three-year commitment to you and your startup. There are no caps, and you get lifetime discounts based on usage. 
Of course, you're going to get that free award-winning 24-7, 365 customer support. And that's by phone, email, or social media, whatever your jam is. No tears and no handoffs. Cloud consulting from experts to ensure your tech stack scales seamlessly. And community. Connect with other program members, alumni, advisors, and more. And shout out to our friends at Linode, which was recently acquired by Akamai. Linode recently announced 12 new global locations coming in 2023. Wow, that's expansion. They plan to have over 200 data centers across the world right soon. So with Akamai plus Linode, you get access to leading security and CDN solutions. Yes, content delivery networks. That's what makes your content super fast. You need to check out Linode. Visit linode.com slash twist and get $500 in free credits. You can also apply to their startup program, Rise. Rise members receive up to $120,000 in free infrastructure credits during the first year and up to 50% discounts thereafter. Let's just end on Andor. I just want to say, I just watched the 11th episode. The 10th episode was a banger. Episode 11, uh, which I guess would be the penultimate, the second yeah, we're to last. The finale is uh, is next week. For, so for Tuesday midnight. So episode 11 was Wednesday. last night's episode, yes. right? This, this yeah. week's episode is yes, setting I'm only the stage one behind for next week's season finale. So you, you saw the prison break I'm episode. through the prison, yeah, which incredible. is freaking right. incredible. 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 I just want to say, this show... I want to give the show its flowers. I'm going to give the flowers right now. There, it is light on action. There has been some action towards the end of the, and, and episode 11 has a great, uh, you know, um, dogfight like kind of dog scene. like a dogfight, yeah. Which we, you know, is always great Star Wars, but it took to episode 11 to get a dogfight. It took to episode 10 to get like a serious blaster flight going. Am I am I right there, Lon? Was there any blast? Oh no, there was we, a little bit of yeah, blasters like in the first two. We had that, the first that like one, he, yeah. he had to get away, and then there was the Aldani heist. That was a little yes, action. Yes, Okay, so there have been it's, there have been some action beats, but it's not an action heavy show. And I, I think this that's how you do twelve episodes. You know, Kenobi's only Boba Fett. Kenobi, they're doing these six episode ones. When you break that out to twelve episodes, action you don't every want to double the budget. Well, you'll do more dialogue. These sequences are set in an office. You know, you've got a few key sort of locations you could reuse a lot. And then you build up to like a big dogfight. What I want to say here, Molly and Lon, as I give the flowers to Andor, is that this is the first time since Rogue One, which is obviously connected to this. It's part of the same timeline. But this little Rogue One Andor experience is the first time that somebody has built something on top of George Lucas's vision. That has been accretive to the original vision. In other words, a fancy word for has added substantially to the original piece of art. I feel like every the, mm-hmm. the, the sequels were terrible. You know, things like... I like Last Jedi a lot. No I still like That's Last really Jedi. making me wonder about But it's about not like new taste. material, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's not like... Uh, it's opening up an aspect... It's I think Ryan Johnson did a pretty good job of, I guess it of does adding. Have aspects of it. If J.J. Abrams had followed Ryan Johnson's lead instead of trying to reverse everything he right. had done, it would have it had a a more mess. of an impact. That's true. I did like blowing up the creating a universe of Buffy's. Anyway, sorry. Yes. Go yeah. Anyway, if anybody, if, if there had been some consistency and that wasn't rushed, sure, maybe the sequels would have worked. But there was no vision there, obviously. But this one has a vision to tell the story of the Senate of the political underpinnings, of the formation of the Republic, of people and characters that were so cursory, um, but done so well that it has it has built in a fabric to George Lucas's vision that he never went to, but he alluded to. He mm-hmm. alluded to yeah. 
uh, this in the um, prequels when he said, like, you know, hey, there's a trade federation. Oh, there's taxes. Like, this war is being started because of a blockade and taxation. And you're like, what? Like, mm-hmm. that's what this is about yeah. is people are getting taxed and there's some group of, like, weird, I don't want to, like, get too like, political here, is, but, like, you know? Asian fetish and <laughs> yeah, Jewish fetishized yeah. weird creatures that are, I mean... He, there, no, there the is trade some federation guys are pretty stereotypically very stereotypical. Yeah. stereotypical it's I not know, great. It's as just, was Watto. As was Watto. Also, I'm just saying, backing away from that is a yeah, good idea now. Yeah. But anyway, they backed away from that and they just said, like, listen, it's just political power, you know, and money and sex and power and all these other things that are part of the human slash existence yeah. condition. Um, and then on top of it is an evil person who's using the human condition to take people down the dark path. It, that to me was just like some, if it was done so well, Molly and, and Lon, that I feel like it worked and it expanded and built the the fabric of Lucas's vision in a way that I haven't seen the other stuff do. The end. Yeah, That's I, it. Here's I was reading too mm-hmm. about uh, like we've been talking too about how, how deeply he's been thinking about the way revolutions happen and rebellions mm-hmm. happen and looking at like historical connections. And that's something that, you know, Star Wars, it always kind of works on this like sort of pop art, throwback, retro adventure serial. Like that's what George Lucas went for in terms of tone. And every other filmmaker who's done Star Wars stuff tries to sort of keep that, make it feel like the seventies movies feel, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. Tony Gilroy just doesn't seem to care and is adopting a different tone and is taking these things more seriously and taking a different perspective. And it's still in the Star Wars world, but it doesn't feel like any other approach we've ever seen. And I I was reading this week, uh, a person wrote about how there are echoes of a real, in like 1907, the then Bolsheviks, revolutionary Bolsheviks, who would form the Soviet Union, did this big like bank robbery that helped to fund their oh. project that Joseph Stalin organized. And that inspired what? the Aldani heist in, mm. uh, in, in, in Andor. And like to go that deep with it what is so incre- incredible. Like uh, nobody's ever brought that kind of attention to real history to Star Wars before. That is incredible. I'm I can't just let throw us- Metacritic out. 74 <laughs> out of 100? At least Rotten Tomatoes got it right, 92% approval rating. Yeah, I don't know what's going on I'm, with the Metacritic algorithm. I, I tried to buy that site. There's always somebody. This thing's 100. This thing's 100. <laughs> well, those are also, just to add it, Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, they're not, it's not a score anybody's giving, it's a survey of all critics. So 75% just means three out of four critics liked it, not they gave it a 75 out of 100. And like there's those, always one. Those 75% one. of critics who liked it may have all given it an A plus for all. My later. brother's obsessed with there's like one critic that he always finds on Rotten Tomatoes who is always the guy who hates everything that everybody else likes. Like he literally yeah. is like obsessed with this guy by name. He'll be like, is here, he, here he freaking is. Is Maybe. it Armand White? I'm going to have oh. to find he's out. The, he's the most, Armand White's the most famous. Like he hates everything like people hater. like and he praises everything people hate. Like he just is the, the most contrarian critic. There's but always... I mean that in the best way possible. Well, let's, yeah, I can't let us go before we talk about Apple Plus's streaming deal for MLS season Mm. pass, Major League Soccer season pass, which is going to be like monster business, but also kind of interestingly provides possibly a blueprint for what uh, Amazon or Apple could do if they won Sunday ticket. Right. 
because yeah, um, it's the so same kind of idea work. where it's like a exactly. separate subscription that sort of lives within Apple TV+. And if you're a subscriber, okay, so Apple, of course, acquired the rights to stream Major League Soccer, which is not that big here, but huge everywhere else. Let's remind everybody, like the biggest sport in the world or whatever. Um, and there will be a discount for Apple TV Plus subscribers. Major League Soccer is not a big deal around the world. That's the like US League. Um, but the in the US, the much more important NFL Sunday ticket streaming deal is what's coming up in 2023. So the way it's going to work for consumers, the MLS pass, is that it'll be 15 bucks a month or $99 a season. But if you're an Apple TV Plus subscriber, you get a discount. So it'll 100%. be $13 a month, exactly, or 79 bucks a season. And so we could imagine if they did that for Sunday ticket, just trucks You also have to money. keep in mind that that's for every game. So, so that if you buy the, the, at the season pass, you get every single major league soccer game all year. Now, if you have Apple TV plus and you don't pay the extra fee for the MLS pass, you're yeah. still going to get soccer games like four, six, eight. They're still deciding you're going to get like six or eight free games a week. Oh. Just with Apple TV Plus. Yes. If you want all the games, you pay for the extra thing. So that, that's also something to consider. Like, who, we don't know what the NFL is thinking. Will you get any free football games? Just if you have, you know, if it's Amazon Prime Video presents NFL Sunday ticket, maybe you'll get one game a week free if you're an Amazon right. Prime subscriber. Or maybe no, it's all behind the paywall. We don't know. Hmm. The big thing I'll point out here is obviously you got NFL Sunday ticket, you got NBA League Pass, and obviously people are going to slice and dice these things into chunks. They're going to give, you know, some free, some collection, and then you get everything, the incomplete archive of all previous games. Uh, you get to go back in time, you know, this year or 20 years ago and watch playoff games, whatever. Right. All They're that also is going like to do the NFL, really I think it's Red Zone, they call it. So if you're an Apple mm -hmm. TV Plus subscriber, if there's three soccer games going on at once, they're going to have yeah. like a wraparound show that'll cut between all of Amazing. those so you don't have I love to Red switch. Zone. Red Zone oh, that's is the jam. Groovy. It's like they oh, show yeah. you everybody. I mean, it won't work as well in soccer because you never actually know when someone's about to score. <laughs> right. But it's, in it's Red Zone, it's like soccer. when someone's on the five yard line or about to score, they just cut to that. And then the next one and the next one. Right. It's so and in real time, it's, it's amazing. And Apple's going to have its own bespoke version of that where it's like, <sighs> so oh, basically they the take out the bo the 80 percent that's boring and they give you yeah. just the 20 percent and they put it back to back. So it's like a super rush. Yeah. Uh, right. So yeah. if LA is about to score, we'll cut to them and then we'll go over mm -hmm. here for overtime and then we'll go back, you know, like that's how that's, that's how for gamblers. This Red is for wagering. <laughs> it's yeah. football crack. Football. It, it is, is the exactly. greatest. Yeah. And yeah. it is. It's, and it's yeah, all it's day like, long. It's just being it's in the, the sports book. It's that experience of everything at once. Yeah. There's somebody switching to what's great here. The thing I will point out here that's the most important for all this is who owns the subscriber. And so I do think that you know, the NBA and the NFL, maybe not soccer right now or other leagues, they're going to have to start thinking, do they want all of their subscribers to be owned by Apple, Netflix, and Amazon? Mm -hmm. Or do they want to have the emails? Disney used to give their content to Netflix famously, right? Um, Daredevil and Punisher and all that stuff were right. Netflix, Marvel productions that eventually got reverted back. But Disney did not know who was watching Daredevil as but one example. The thing I would be very concerned about as a business leader here is the ability to cross-sell and to own a customer relationship is super important. And I wonder who gets the email address, who gets to upsell. When these deals end, 
does Apple TV now have the email addresses of all of these soccer people for all time? And then does the soccer, you know, league or the NFL eventually have to start over or NBA have to start over collecting emails of their customers? The NBA and Disney have done a good job so far. It's a great point. And if you look, if they should take their lesson from the music industry, which handed digital downloads over to Steve, Steve Jobs for almost a decade. This was not specified. I would wager that the majority of Apple TV Plus subscribers who happen to watch a Major League Soccer game, Apple just keeps their data. But if you sign up for this season pass, there may be some kind of sharing. I don't know. But you d- you hope that you they hope for, for their the, sake yeah, that they are the smart si- enough to realize that, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I hope, yeah. Apple I has been famous about not allowing attention. that. This is why yeah. Rupert Murdoch and Steve Jobs yeah. were in deep negotiations. They did a uh, an app called The Daily. Actually, my friend Brian Alvey worked on that, my, my co- uh, lifelong collaborator. And The Daily, when the iPad came out, like Steve Jobs was obsessed with Rupert Murdoch and getting his collection of newspapers on there. Rupert Murdoch was like, well, I, I need to get the contact information of these people who, you know, and they're like, no, you don't. We'll just, we'll do the billing for an abstract. And he's like, well, that's my business. Mm-hmm. Disney made the decision. Hey, this is going to be our core business. And I don't think Apple's going to give uh, Major League Soccer or whoever this deal mm-hmm. is with. I don't think they're going to give them the email addresses, but that's where this will all come to a head. The decision will be made well, based upon, is the party willing to overpay and take the risk? So if you are going to buy five years worth of my sports league and pay more than we think we could monetize it for ourselves, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll give up owning those emails for now. So if you overpay more, us- There's one more yeah, catch sure. though. Yeah, uh, if you are one of the several hundred thousand- season ticket holders for any major league soccer club you what? get the apple tv plus major league soccer pass for free it's included with oh. your season ticket so if i like have a season ticket to the la galaxy i automatically get stunning. access to all the major league soccer games oh, so stunning. Th- that's data <laughs> that major league soccer now has to supply to apple so i don't know if there's going to be more give and take in this deal than there normally would just because there's but that at does aspect. it also come with prosenko it's yes, it's a it's a it's a Negroni <laughs> Spagliato with Prosecco. Stunning. With Prosecco. Ooh, Prosecco. Oh, stunning. 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 I feel like that's stunning that you if you have the season um yeah, it's season ticket holders. Why don't we the, have a stunning drop here? I would just like to have stunning and just <laughs> make you really just drop stunning. Just like when somebody makes a good stunning. point, uh, Nick, yeah. I give you permission to give us a stunning. Stunning. Uh it really is stunning that they would be able to correlate your season ticket email with your season pass, but that's yeah. completely possible. Because then that's on the customer, mm-hmm. and that's smart. But it won't, be, that won't be every customer. I wonder if this could come, like, you wonder to what extent this could even come down to the negotiation, right? Like, if Amazon and right. Apple are bidding, and Amazon's like, we'll give you the customer, and Apple's like, we will not, because we're Apple, and we never do that, does Amazon... Right. Get and it I mean, for I, less. I sent you guys that that UFC Disney article too, which I thought was really interesting. The the president of Endeavor, which owns the UFC now, uh, was was speaking at a conference this week and uh, was talking about it's probably going to be Disney because that's who UFC has historically had their deal with. There's a lot of ties between Endeavor and Disney already, so it makes perfect sense that ESPN would just re up for another five years of UFC. But they're going to hear pitches from Amazon, Apple, Google, some other players as well. Uh, but uh, this guy, I forget his first name, but Mark Shapiro, I think is his name. He said specifically they weren't considering Netflix because they didn't want to be a guinea pig. They didn't want to be Netflix's first big 
live stream sports partner. So I think that's a good example of how all these other considerations do come into play. Like even if Netflix was offering more money, they didn't want to be like the test subject. They wanted to go somewhere that they knew like Disney where there's already ESPN and ESPN plus these very established delivery systems for their Mm -hmm. content. Fascinating. All right, Lon, you're amazing. You gave me a couple of great recommendations. um, And uh, I did watch Tulsa. Tulsa game. I fell asleep towards the end. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) But I, I, Sylvester Stallone on the screen, it's just compelling. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, it's funny. It's funnier than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was a little bit funnier. Yeah, it's a bit like that early Sopranos where it's like balancing comedy and drama more. They, They clearly have gone. 100% 100% I was about to say they went full soprano yeah full soprano uh I, I I'm not sure if I'm gonna love this or not but man I don't, I yeah just, I don't the jury's still a little out for me as well but I I I, I, I like it enough to I'm gonna give it more time I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep at it mm-hmm. for sure all right there you have it and then the other one you gave us the other week was uh what was the VR one now. the William Gibson one oh no, the, the peripheral, peripheral. The peripheral. I, I'm, I'm I don't remember the last time wife. that I waited for the days to come. Like I'm just waiting for Fridays to come now for tonight, the peripheral. Yeah, well, midnight. Yeah. If you can make it to midnight tonight, the oh, new peripheral stop. will go up. Speaking of <laughs> no. Sopranos and uh, what was the Showtime show uh, about the uh, Middle East uh, that was so good with the Homeland. CIA? Homeland. Homeland. And speaking of mm-hmm. Homeland, because I think it has Maybe the I Homeland. Give that another it. try because I do love um, a spy show. White Lotus is a yeah. weird, peculiar show, and season two <laughs> is out, and it has uh-huh. Christopher Moltisanti in it. Yeah, the great Michael and, Imperioli. And he's amazing. And, and he F. Murray Abraham is his dad. They're, they're a lot of fun together. And F. Murray really Abraham was together. also in Homeland, right? Yes, Wasn't correct. he in Homeland? He played this incredible... Um, he was like the Iranian, F, you know, double agent, I think. I think I, remember so. I don't correctly. remember who he... He was in there. I think season He two. was kind of like one of these gray characters, you know, who was kind of working with the CIA, trying to massage over, making sure the world doesn't come to end. Anyway, he's mm-hmm. a wonderful actor. That's uh, amazing. Is, is Aubrey Plaza? I love... And I'll pretty much watch it. That was where I was going. I'll watch anything yeah. she's in. Did like, you catch the I'm Ventura riff this week? I don't know how many people caught that. I was very curious. So in episode what? two, in episode two, Jennifer Coolidge has that whole speech where she's like, I want to be Monica Vitti. I want to go out on a, a mo- you know, I want to go <laughs> on a Vespa. What's the story with her eyes that don't, is she Mon- doing that on purpose, closing so her eyes? Monica Vitti star, was the Italian movie star who started oh, a bunch of... Oh. <laughs> started a bunch of Antonioni films in the 50s and 60s, including La Ventura, this very famous Italian art film. And there's a scene in that movie where Monica Vitti is wandering around in Noto on the island of Sicily, and all of these men are watching her and crowding around her and gazing it's very at her in a claustrophobic really disturbing and uncomfortable. way. And it became this oh, sort of like. In. Yeah. <laughs> it became this sort of. Uh, it became one of the stereotypical, like, you know, that trope of Italian men or, you know, yes. like cat silly catcalling and harassing her. women. Oh and God. they recreated that scene shot for shot with Aubrey Plaza oh. this week in White Lotus when all the men are standing around and she's twirling around and the camera's wow. spinning. It's a shot for shot recreation of La it's Ventura. It's a very, that, I was about to say, Aubrey Plaza, who I kind of remember from, like, being, like, some character actor, funny well, Parks and Rec, she, she was April Lundgren. I did never watch years. an episode of Parks and Rec. Anyway, oh, she so is good. extraordinary oh, in this. She's so she good. She's like did, a very uh, interesting character. I yeah. know she you plays kind of type A, annoyed New Yorker. 
Go ahead, Molly. Sorry. No, I hit the mic well because I got all excited. Oh, I know you probably did not watch Legion on I FX. Watched Legion. I mean, I know you did, Lon. Sorry. I, was, <laughs> I, watched yeah, a couple I know episodes. Lon watched yeah. Legion on yeah. FX. I feel confident that J. Cal did not watch Legion on FX. I watched but the first if you two episodes, yeah. yeah. Aubrey Plaza in her most, like, I don't know. I feel like Neo in the Matrix level of power, Legion was it for me. She was there just so something mesmerizing very... and creepy. She's incredible. There's something very alluring about her on screen. It's yeah, not like traditional, but she's pulls the screen in. Uh, and that scene specifically, Lon, was notable because it was like, wait, what is this scene about? Is this like a surreal moment? Is she imagining this? And I didn't realize that that was a homage. So thank yeah, you for it's a, educating Yeah, it's a purposeful us. riff on, uh, which is also, I mean, and like a lot of a lot of what Mike White's doing with this whole season, I think, is purposefully echoing Antonioni because his stuff was always about idle, rich, their lives are pointless, nothing makes them happy, they're just wandering aimlessly through life. Like, that's what a lot of those movies are about. And that I feel like he's touching on in this season, too, of these kind of like rich, aimless people who nothing is satisfying. Nothing makes them, you know, nothing is exciting anymore. Life has become a chore. Yes. Which is kind of Michael Imperioli's character. He's like a right. self-absorbed well, a sex too. addict. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you yeah. know, like Aubrey Plaza and her husband looking at this wealthy couple that at first they're sort of intimidated by and envious of and then recognizing like, Oh, they're they're just as miserable as we are, just in a different way. And I feel like a lot of characters, you know, like uh, even Jennifer Coolidge's assistant, like, what am I doing? And why aren't I happy to be in Sicily? And you know, it's just a lot of that. Like, why no, can't we can't find leave. happiness? Go, you have to stay. You can't leave. <laughs> yeah, but like I, we, we I have in a the most beautiful question. place in the world, surrounded by opulence and luxury. How come nobody's is Jennifer happy? Coolidge closing her eyes that much as like an affect? Or is that yeah. just her natural state of being? No, because it feels people think that's her. But if you see her being interviewed, I mean, she's, she's obviously an amazing actress. She's obviously like it's she's not, extraordinary. It's not you know a complete effect. Like she, you would you would recognize her if she's being. But no, she's she's doing a lot of this. She's putting on a lot of these affectations as part of the performance. That's not her. I want to see her interviewed <laughs> compared to this character she's playing, where her voice is high pitched and she's got her. Like she's like, yeah, she's hopped up on some prescription pills. She's just doing a version very, of herself. very exaggerated mm -hmm. version of herself, basically. But it's I just like the fact that this is like the Amman Hotel that I always talk about that I'm obsessed with. The mm -hmm. White Lotus is basically the Amman Hotel. And it turns out they it turns out they hate you, which is yeah. you know makes it harder to go there. All right, yeah, maybe. Uh, Lon, wonderful, you're amazing. Thanks, Lon. <laughs> oh, thanks. We'll oh, see what's you your recommendation next Give us one. week? Only oh, one. You got one? You got one for wow. us before we go? Give us a silver uh, bullet. Something oh. that Lon loves. I got this. This is perfect. Okay. On Netflix, there is this series of French action crime films. We're on the second one. They're called Lost Bullet. So there's Lost Bullet 1 and then Lost Bullet 2. It's like France's Fast and the Furious. They're about this like brilliant driver and mechanic and he starts off being a criminal and then he gets recruited to join like a police task force where they're chasing down other vehicular criminals. The fights are great, car chases, explosions, huge action. They're funny. I, I highly recommend. Lost I is this like this. Le Cirque Rouge or Lyon? No, I mean, and honestly, think of their they're like furious, French, French Fast and Furious. Can't freaking like wait. The Transporter or something, but but French action guys. And Love there's it. two of them now. They made one in 2020 and the next one just came out. The last one just came out like a few weeks ago. Lost Bullet and then Lost Bullet 2. Please highly follow at Lons on Twitter and go to inside.com slash streaming to get his daily newsletter. Well done, Lon. Thank you. See you next time.
All right. Thanks for Lon joining. Tomorrow, I sat Sorry. down with our friend, uh, Glenn Kelman, Molly, from Redfin. We talked about layoffs. We talked about the housing markets, the pain, the joy of being an entrepreneur in a downturn and a recession, all the stuff we've been talking about here. How amazing is Glenn for coming I in and love, having a candid talk? You're going to love this interview. Love Glenn. I'm so sad to have missed it. And I cannot wait. He's always so honest. And he really feels the pain when he has to do layoffs himself. And I am really, I, I will definitely be refreshing my feed for that for my own show. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Our well, own show. And then, of course, we'll have OK that's Boomer. That's your show. You're kind of taking over. <laughs> You're running the roost. <laughs> I don't know about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just weird when you listen to the show that has your picture on it. Like It is a little weird. I feel like weird I like, clicking on my own show. I when agree. I click on it. Yeah, exactly. It's like a little I, it's bit It's a podcaster's nightmare to see yourself in the feed. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's like... I suppose for people who are on like a TV show or something to be flipping through the channels and see reruns of themselves. And you're like, Oh, that's yeah. me. Yeah. It's, it's strange, but I will strange. still make sure that I listen. And of course we got Rachel reporting with okay. Boomer. It's going to be the perfect Friday show. Just uh, tune right. in tomorrow. Okay. We're going to make it folks. Friday's here. We're almost there. <laughs>